Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by my colleague and co-host Jamie D'Amico. We want to be amongst the last people to wish Bills Mafia a happy belated Thanksgiving. Hope that you and yours found some way to celebrate the holiday, eat some great food, and uh, watch some of the awful football that we got offered up on Thanksgiving. Jamie, that was, those were two of the worst games I've, I've, and I did watch part of it because, you know, football in America, and that's what we do here during the holidays. But man, it made me long for two years ago when the Bills went to Dallas and just put a beat down on Jerry Jones's boys. I would say that that's probably my favorite game of the last two decades. And I don't think it's even close. It was that game that Josh Allen became a man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, there's so many plays we could relive. I, I personally am a huge fan of the one where uh, Josh basically, I think it was a fourth down run play and he fumbled the snap and then picked it back up and ran for the first down and like, and flipped a dude over him. <laughs> dude. It, lo- jo- it looked like a wrestling takedown. That that's a, that's a, that's our quarterback right there to cue the TO meme. It's like, he's just such a baller and that was such a great statement win because I don't I think Bill's Bill's Mafia was very guarded about how that team was going to do you know the the team had been off to a great start but it was like well there was a whole argument of who have they played who have they beaten and then to go to Big D and to emerge with a, a dominant victory to watch Trey White have so much fun stealing the turkey leg with Tracy Wolfson afterwards on the postgame broadcast and you see Deion Dawkins getting his eat on like it, it was just so great and so much fun. And that's why, to me, all other Thanksgiving games will pale in comparison until the next time Buffalo's on the Turkey Day showdown, because that was just such a fun atmosphere to be a fan and to think like, shit, our team is good. Yeah. It, and also you saw the camaraderie from the team and that that was cool. And, you know. That was the first game in years that I had actually been nervous. I was nervous the playoff game in Jacksonville, but outside of those two games, it had been at least a decade since I was nervous about the outcome of a game. And I just wanted that one so badly because it was like, I'm telling you, the Bills are turning the corner and I want people to see it. And also they really need this win. And they got it convincingly. And now, I mean, now you look at the Cowboys and it's like, how did they become so bad? 
they are terrible. And, you know, I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm not going to go into a a diatribe on the uh, non bills teams, but I will say that I was so happy to watch Alex Smith crush it uh, for all the surgeries he had to overcome. I think he had 17 operations on his knee and his leg to get back out there. And uh, when you combine that story with the Cowboys having to watch their team just be terrible uh, on Thanksgiving before a national audience. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> the carnage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Um, but hey, um, couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. Indeed, it was great to watch. And that division is just a cluster. I mean, Washington leads at four wins. Uh, you know, a division that's not a cluster is the uh, the AFC East out there with those Buffalo Bills you know, sitting at seven and three, the bills actually, uh, there was a great, one of those Vince McMahon memes out there where it was showing, you know, bills fans on the bye week and seeing that the dolphins fell to the Broncos, the Patriots lost to the Texans, uh, the, the jets lost to the chargers who we'll be talking about here in a little bit. And then Tom Brady fell to the Rams on Monday night football. It really, and you factor in some of the other results that took place too, with the Ravens, uh, falling, there was a lot of help that Buffalo got on their bye week. And I think a lot of fans were a little nervous about the Tua tongue of Iloa momentum and Miami possibly being tied for first place coming out of the bye. Instead, Jamie, the bills head to their final six games with a one game lead in the division, already having a game in hand over those dolphins. Uh, not really sure what to make of, of Miami putting in Fitzy uh, with Tua struggle in big time against Denver, but this is huge that Buffalo has that one game cushion. And again, the one victory in hand over Miami down the stretch, because all along we've talked about Buffalo wants to slay those dragons. And the next upcoming dragon is winning the AFC East for the first time since 1995. I think the bills have a a great opportunity to win that division. I think the schedule uh, is not as daunting as we thought it was going to be. Although the national audience be prepared to meet your 2020 Buffalo bills four straight primetime games coming up after this week's showdown with the chargers. It's going to be a great opportunity for the bills to put the division away, but see, this is why you got to close. Hey, uh, coffee's for closers. As I take a sip of my coffee right here, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross shout out right there. Well done, buddy. Excellent. I'm glad you were able to to nail that, but always be closing. Coffee's for closers. You got to be able to close out Arizona a couple of weeks ago because, man, the Bills would have been two games up, and you really want that buffer against a Miami team that is, they're coming strong. Uh, they're not, they're, you know, they're, they're winning close games. They're not blowing people out necessarily. They've got a young quarterback who they're really trying to they're trying to get him acclimated, but the thing is, it's pretty obvious they're also playing for the playoffs. Otherwise, they would have never put Fitz in that last game when uh, Tua was struggling. You know, that's the kind of thing that can shake the confidence of a young player. But they said, you know what? We don't care. We're we're not happy with his play, so Fitz is going to get some snaps, and he did, and. Okay, the Dolphins didn't pull it out, but still, it it gives you some insight into the mindset. They don't want to give this division to the Bills, and maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's going to keep the Bills on their toes, but I would rather that they just folded it up and went home and let the Bills coast (laughs) through this. It would be great if that Week 17 showdown 
had nothing on the line other than Buffalo maybe getting some uh, rest for their key starters versus the division title hanging in the balance. Uh, but we'll see what happens. There's six games to go in the regular season. Buffalo sitting very pretty at seven and three, a game clear of the Miami Dolphins for second place. And, you know, Jamie, you mentioned coffee for closers and how important it is to close out games. Uh, this week's opponent for the Bills, they could teach a master class in not closing out the opposition. The Chargers of Los Angeles have so much talent there. We'll talk about Justin Herbert, uh, their high flying rookie quarterback pick number six overall this past spring in the draft. He has been unbelievable, but as great as he has been, the Chargers find ways in more. Uh, how can I put this? They they come up with new ways to define the absurd when it comes to losing games week in and week out. I tell you, every week it's something new. Every week you're like, oh, the Chargers are going to wait. They lost. Oh, the Chargers are going to wait. They lost how? They lost on a last second touchdown pass. They lost on a last second missed field goal. Like, I mean, there's so many ways that Anthony Lynn's team should be better than three and seven, but they are what their record is and they're three and seven, but they're a dangerous three and seven team. Jamie, what do you make of the chargers inability to close out the opponent? That is, that's a great question because Anthony Lynn is a good coach and I, I don't want to take anything away from him. I think a lot of what that comes down to is experience. They've got some good young players on the team. Um, Justin Herbert, at this point, he's probably a, a, a close to a top 10 quarterback, and he's only a rookie. If you had it to do over, you might even select him above Joe Burrow. Who knows? But when it comes to not being able to close out games, usually it comes down to individual mistakes, and it, it comes down to experience, knowing when to stay in bounds versus when to run out of bounds, when to throw... When to throw the ball away as opposed to trying to force a completion or on defense, when to keep the opposing runner in bounds, when to keep the ball in front of you. It's a lot of little things. And these are things that they're going to learn. And Anthony, Anthony Lynn is going to teach them. It's almost like they were set up to compete this year for the playoffs and they're just not getting there. This is one of those seasons that teams competitive teams often have where they take a step back one season and that gives them an opportunity to reload through the draft and then they're much tougher the following year and you know where they are right now they could be looking at a top 10 pick man you add more talent to an already very talented team with the likes of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa we talked about Herbert uh but uh, Keenan Allen, there's good players on this team, and next year they're going to be better. But don't sleep on them. Don't look at that three and seven record and think that they're a cakewalk because they're not. They could easily be seven and three right now, and everybody would say, "Yeah, this is kind of what we expected." Yeah. Oh, um, there's there's so much talent on this Chargers team, but I don't know, Jamie. After a while, it, you do have to give. You know, I know that like the Chargers have had a horrible special teams unit. And they recently, Anthony Lynn took away the coordinator job uh, from George Stewart and brought somebody else in to handle their, um, their special teams responsibilities. But it's not just one aspect of the game 
that the Chargers have been struggling with. I mean, they allowed Joe Flacco after putting up 80 yards of offense in the first half last week uh, against the Jets to go on three straight prolonged scoring drives of 75 yards or more. And what should have been a laugher for the Chargers turned into a 34-28 victory where they had to eke one out. And it's like, I don't know, I Anthony Lynn had a quote in the LA Times where they were talking about um, you know, his team's inability to close out games and to hold leads. And Lynn basically uh, was saying that his guys didn't relax at all. They made the plays when they needed to, never minding the fact that they blew a 24 to six lead to hold on for a six point victory. It's to me, you, you wonder if that mentality, like the bills aren't going to take teams for granted. The bills, they, they follow what their coach sets forward. Sean McDermott is a blue collar, bring your lunch bucket to work guy who doesn't let his team get too big for their britches. And I feel like the chargers and the bright lights of Los Angeles that they, I don't know, after a while, like the mentality of how a team handles itself is contagious. And I just would much rather be in the Buffalo locker room than the chargers when it comes to closing out games and having a, an all for one mentality. Whereas it feels like the chargers are more the me, me, me type. The bills are the we, we, we type. That's a great point. And what I want to add to it is how anything that can go wrong will go wrong for the Chargers and look no farther than Tyrod Taylor finding his way to the bench injured this season because his lung was punctured for sh- by a shoulder injection. Like, how snake bit are you if you're Tyrod and you're the starter, but you lost your job because the medical staff accidentally punctured your lung on something that was just completely not only unrelated but routine it's there's like i said something systemic is there and they do need to write the ship but anthony lynn is a good coach he's going to get it done I, i'm much happier with mcdermott but i was i was actually one of the guys who was calling for lynn to get a shot uh from going from interim awesome when he took over the head coaching duties the last uh, week of the season uh, versus the the Jets a couple of years ago. I actually wanted him to get a good crack at being the head coach. It didn't turn out and we're very happy with McDermott, but I wish Anthony Lynn nothing but the best, you know, with the chargers, but you're right. They are snake bitten. They always seem to have devastating injuries, you know, that take place before the season starts during the season. Um, you know, they just are one of those teams that really can't stay healthy. I mean, you look at this year, you know, Austin Eckler is a game changer, at running back. And we don't quite know the status of, um, of Eckler for the game on Sunday. I, I don't know. To me, I think it's a a whole different ball game. If Herbert has a really talented Austin Eckler as both a dual threat out of the backfield running and catching versus some of the other backs that they've had out there during his absence. But you're right. It's a snake bitten franchise is going to continue to be snake bitten and hopefully the bills can take advantage and capitalize this Jamie. So let's, let's segue into our, our preview for the game on Sunday. One thing I think is for sure bills and chargers fans alike should be expecting the scoreboard operators to be quite busy uh, on Sunday. Points should be a plenty. The chargers have scored 25 points in each of their last six games out there. And really seven games going back to the Chargers of uh, loss to the Buccaneers uh, in early October. So the bottom line is this unit for the Chargers can score. They can put up points in a hurry. The problem is during that time when they've been putting up 26 or more points, they gave up 38 points, 30 points, 29 points to the Jaguars of all teams, 31 points to the Broncos, 31 to the Raiders, 
29 to the Dolphins and 28 to the Jets most recently. So, Jamie, let's start there. Josh Allen should have a huge day in the passing game, especially given the plight of the Chargers at cornerback. Uh, they have really been beat up, and Casey Hayward has not been somebody that you can rely on, that you can uh, lean on in the secondary for the Chargers. He got picked on repeatedly by Flacco last week. What's your assessment of Josh Allen, Brian Dable, and how they go after the Chargers' vulnerabilities? Also, Casey Hayward is out this week, despite the fact that he's supposed to be their top guy. And Derwin James, another corner, uh, an experienced guy, he's on IR at the moment. So how do you go after him? Well, you led me right into it. You pass the ball. Their defensive line is fairly solid. I mean, they still have Joey Bosa. They're without Melvin Ingram, who's an excellent pass rusher. We saw a few years ago what the Chargers did to the Bills in that ill-fated Nathan Peterman game. Uh, So they can get after the quarterback. Uh, Lindall Joseph is in the center of the line. He's a load. But you, you make sure you block Joey Bosa and you get the ball into the hands of the receivers. I wish John Brown was still in. Um, I, you know, he's going to be missing this game. Another game John Brown is missing. He hasn't quite shown the speed that he, he typically has. But this might be a good opportunity for Gabriel Davis to make a statement. This might be a, a game where the Bills' top two receivers, um, Little Beasley and Diggs, are going to run wild. We might see... We might see two Bills receivers topping 100 yards this game. I think that we're going to see digs with about eight receptions. And also, the other thing you're going to want to do, I think Devin Singletary getting open out of the backfield is going to be, that that could be devastating against the Chargers. I'm glad you mentioned um, the the wide receiver core. And, you know, Stefan Diggs, we all know he's quietly having the best season of his his career. He's threatening all the Buffalo Bills franchise records for receptions and receiving yards in a season. And really, there's a lot of advantage for Buffalo's receivers outside. Uh, The Chargers are not good uh, when it comes to their outside corners. You mentioned Casey Hayward is going to be missing uh, the game out there. I believe you said another cornerback uh, for the Chargers is going to be on the sidelines as well. Chris Harris is a decent slot corner. He's been dealing with an injury. Um, so I like Cole Beasley to take advantage of him all day long. And Diggs is probably going to go for a hundred yards and yeah, seven or eight catches out there. But I'm glad you brought up Gabriel Davis. This to me, Jamie could not be a bigger spot for the rookie. And I feel like everything that I'm going to say is setting Davis up for success. The bills are a whole different offense and a much more potent passing attack with John Brown on the field. Sadly, he is just not able to stay healthy. He is battling Uh, injuries. He's got the ankle injury that's causing him a lot of problems. He did not practice at all this week before being ruled out. That is a major loss to this offense. When players go down, they always talk about the next man up mentality. And for me, the fingers are pointed squarely at Gabriel Davis. He had a great start to his Buffalo Bills career. He was impressing fans with his route running, with his toe dragging, with the ability to make those big catches downfield. And he's gone kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. And I thought that was really going to be an opportunity uh, for Davis to step up with Brown battling the injuries. And it still is. And again, the reason I say the opportunity Davis is never going to be the number one or the number two option on this team. That's going to belong to Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley right now. But 
this is with a susceptible defense and a susceptible secondary and a good route runner like Gabriel Davis is, I see no reason why he can't exploit the back end of the car of the chargers defense out there. Rome free. Josh knows how to look for him. They clearly have the chemistry downfield. I hope that Gabriel Davis has a massive week because he, to me is really the X factor. We know that Beasley's going to do his thing over the slot and he'll destroy Chris Harris. We know that Diggs will win his matchup, whether it's against, you know, whoever the chargers throw uh, his way, I believe um, the guy right now who's slotted to face him is a uh, Tavon Campbell, who is a middle of the road cornerback. No one to write home about. Um, he was in the CFL, I guess, for four years before coming to the NFL. He's decent uh, as a corner fill in, but Diggs should win that matchup all day long. So you're right to me, Gabriel Davis. Welcome to the spotlight. This should be a good opportunity for the rookie to go for, say, four or five catches and 65, 70 yards. Yeah, those would be, those would be good numbers for him. Um, you know, it, I think this is going to be a very receiver-driven game, specifically slot receivers. And I'm sorry to switch subjects on you, but I would also look for a big game out of the Chargers re- slot receiver Keenan Allen, too. The guy is a great receiver, and Taron Johnson, not the best cover guy. A lot of times in zone, you see linebackers trying to match up with slot receivers, and you know that they're going to try to find a way to put A.J. Klein on, uh, or they're going to try to exploit A.J. Klein. And he's Keenan Allen's going to find himself open. I think that's another receiver who you're going to see 10 receptions from. Keenan Allen scares me uh, in, in, in many ways, Jamie. You're right. Taron Johnson, uh, I, he is, that's a matchup. Keenan Allen is a matchup nightmare for almost anybody out there in this league, but especially someone who's not elite in coverage like Taron Johnson is. Um, 36 of Allen's 81 catches Uh, which leads the NFL have come out of the slot position. He is clutch in third down with the most catches to move the sticks in third down in the leagues. And there's no way that Buffalo is going to do one guy who shuts down Allen. So I expect a lot of that zone coverage, maybe Trey white shifts over and gives some help in the zone defense to limit Keenan Allen. A lot's going to fall on, of course, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde to step up as well. But I do not want to see Taron Johnson 1v1 with Keenan Allen because that is a recipe for disaster uh, for Justin Herbert and this offense for the Chargers. And I think that one of the key areas I want to get to where Buffalo really needs to take advantage of in this matchup is we talk about Justin Herbert's having a great rookie season, and he really is. He is exceeding expectations Uh, I think people thought he was a developmental quarterback who had a lot of potential, but you weren't going to see that potential. Now it was going to come next year uh, when he was going to make that maybe Josh Allen type leap forward from a middling rookie to someone who can dominate the league. His stats are phenomenal. He's got 68% completion percentage, 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, only six picks and a passer rating of one Oh four seven. That is all fine. And that is all dandy. But Buffalo needs to make Justin Herbert remind himself that he is a rookie and not an established quarterback by getting after him. And to me, this is the week where we really need to see the Bills get after him with the pass rush combinations, maybe some blitzes, some fake blitzes, some zone blitzes, but they need to get pressure. The front four has to be the one to do it. And really, Jamie, to me, if Buffalo gets after Justin Herbert, it makes him feel uncomfortable all game long. I think this is going to be a matchup that Buffalo will win uh, when it comes to the game on Sunday. I like 
Buffalo's odds. I like if Ed Oliver and Quinton Jefferson paging those two guys, this is the week you need to step up the most to get after the mobile quarterback, Justin Herbert. There's enough film on him now where the Bills and Leslie Frazier know his tendencies. They know what he likes to do, where he wants to put the ball. He's he's not afraid to try to go for a really tight window with his passes. The best way to negate that, and the fact that he does read those pre-snap blitzes pretty well, you need to throw several different looks out there, different schemes, different fronts to confuse this kid because if he's able to sit back and pick apart the defense, Jamie, it's not going to be a good day for Buffalo's secondary. To quote Big Newt, you have got to be able to confuse a rookie quarterback. And that's one of the things that the Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense does really well is they disguise their coverages. Not so much the blitzing, their They've been blitzing a lot this season, but you know they're more of a drop back into coverage and disguise what you're doing there. Have a, a bunch of a bunch of trap coverages, and um, you know make it look like it's one thing when it's going to be something else. You know they they talk about the young quarterback seeing ghosts when they're playing against uh, against the New England Patriots. Well, the same thing kind of happens when you're playing against the Buffalo Bills defense when it comes to not the pass rush, but when you are looking into coverage because what you see is not necessarily what you're getting two seconds after the snap. And that's the kind of thing that I know in in this week of practice, they're trying to drill that into Herbert's head, but it's different when the live bullets are flying. And I think that you're probably going to see a couple of turnovers by Herbert because of that. If the bills can force those turnovers and again, generate the pressure, Justin Herbert has been a fine quarterback through the first, you know, seven, eight games of his NFL career out here since he stepped into the lineup for Terod Taylor. But this chargers offense, just like the bills are pass first, the chargers are just as much looking to go pass first, mostly because the offensive line is flawed. And I know they've got a good uh, left tackle, Sam Tevy, and a good right tackle in Brian Balaga, but they are vulnerable up the middle. Dan Feeney is not a good center. He's vulnerable both in the pass and the run blocking games, which is why, again, I'm saying that Ed Oliver and Quinton Jefferson, this is your opportunity. Bull rush the center, get the pressure up the middle, make Herbert make those quick instant reaction passes. If they do that, you're right. The turnovers will come. The sacks will come. And I I don't know, Jamie, for me, I feel like this is the week we just see the pass rush continue. The pass rush has been good. They did great against Russell Wilson. I really wasn't happy with how their productivity was in slowing him down. But just as great as they were against Seattle, Kyler Murray picked them apart uh, the week, the game before the bye. And hopefully the Bills can come out there and put all that behind and get after Justin Herbert with their aggressive uh, pass rushing out there. Again, it's going to be Ed Oliver and Quinton Jefferson and Jerry Hughes because the Chargers have vulnerabilities along the offensive line. Can the Bills take advantage of that? I think they can. I think the vulnerabilities are there. And with Buffalo showing over the past few games that they can get to the quarterback, I think that's something that's going to continue. And A.J. Klein, who I've been telling you since the beginning of the year, is the best player on the Bills roster. I've been telling you. Um, <laughs> let's, 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 let's go to the tape and cue it up. Shall no, we? let's not do that. <laughs> nope. Um, 
he's been looking good in the pass rush. And I think you're going to see more of that because they seem to have found what's working with the defense, which is especially on passing plays. They're moving Tremaine Edmonds to outside linebacker, keeping A.J. Klein in the middle of the field. And we're seeing some success from that. Who saw that coming, right? Now, we we can go to the tape. I, for the record, did call for it might have been the Seahawks game when I was saying the Bills are starting to subtly move. And I'm not saying this is my idea, but I noticed it and I'll take a little credit for it here on Bill Eve. I love, even though the Bills want Tremaine Edmonds to be their middle linebacker of the future, there's nothing wrong with him spending 10, 12, 15 plays as an outside backer. I think he really excels in that role. And if AJ Klein continues to play the way that he has been playing, the drop-off is not that deep if you shift Tremaine to be the outside linebacker and let AJ Klein handle the mic position. This is a conversation for another time because I have always thought that outside is probably the best position for Tremaine Edmonds. Unfortunately, he hasn't been working on his pass rushing for the past few years because, you know, that that hasn't been the primary role that he's had. But if I, I felt like you could you could really develop him into a great coverage and coverage backer, which he already is, and pass rusher from the outside. Um, obviously, they're not going that that route, but to me, that's his natural position. Yeah, that is a good topic for another podcast down the road about Tremaine Edmonds and his future position out there. But the good news is, Jamie, we can have this conversation because, again, AJ Klein has been playing like a man possessed the last couple of weeks. I know a lot of Bills fans had some gripes heading into the bye week about what Buffalo was going to do to fix both their rushing attack on offense and the run defense. And this is a week, Jamie, where I feel like, again, the run defense is going to be put to the test with the Chargers. I believe they ranked 10th in the NFL uh, in in ground game in, in, in their rushing attack. And, you know, it's something where, I don't know, to me, if the Bills can get after this and make the Chargers be, again, that one-dimensional, not having uh, the solid run game. If Austin Eckler is out there, it's a different story, but Eckler has been out since week four with a hamstring injury, and his status is still up in the air. Uh, if the Bills can get after it when it comes to the run defense and, and make the Chargers be that one-dimensional threat, the more the merrier for this team because I just don't want to see the Chargers running wild out there because Buffalo for some reason has just been really bad at stopping the run this year. What do you think? Is this the week again that we're going to see now? And in defense of the chargers, they had a motley crew of backs out there filling in for Eckler, uh, Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson, Kalen Ballage. Um, Eckler was a practice participant. He might play. It might be in a pitch count limited kind of role, but what do you think? What did Leslie Frazier do during the bye to try to shore up this run defense? I don't know, man. They, the running game on both sides of the ball has been an issue for the Bills this year, and I don't have answers. It seems like they're missing that that big one technique defensive tackle, and they just can't seem to make up for it. Is it scheme? Is it personnel? It seems to be all of the above, frankly. And what do you do to change that in the middle of the season? They didn't bring any players in 
So I guess they've got to scheme it differently. What do you do? Do you go with a five man line? Does does that even matter if those five guys are getting blown off the ball? Probably not. On any given play, it seems like the defensive tackles are a liability against the run and are three yards behind the line of scrimmage. They're just not going to stop anybody unless there is better play by those guys. So they said they're going to take a, a really strong look at that during the bye week. I'm looking forward to that because, frankly, we need some answers, right? We we definitely, we need answers. We demand answers. And Jamie, I think one of the things we might see, I'm glad you mentioned this, uh, when it came to what Buffalo could do, I think you're going to see, again, different looks, different fronts uh, that Leslie Frazier is going to trot out there to, again, confuse Justin Herbert. I know he's had a great opening introduction to the NFL, but he is still a rookie. And if you bring do what the car, I'll give Bruce exclusive a lot of credit. Bruce Nolan here. He had a good article on Buffalo rumblings every week. He puts out the crumbling their cookies, how the Bills should attack their opponent. And I'm going to read from his article here. And we mentioned the Chargers offensive line being a weak spot. Um, if you bring these different looks at the line of scrimmage to try to take advantage of both a vulnerable offensive line and a rookie who might not have seen as many looks out there, do what the Cardinals did to the bills, bring multiple schemes, multiple fronts, multiple men at the line of scrimmage. And that's going to make a big difference. I feel like in both confusing Herbert. And if you have a five man front, that's a good weapon to slow down the run game. It's a good weapon to slow down the run game assuming that they're going to keep their gap integrity, which has been an issue all season long. Um, Tremaine Edmonds playing through the injury. That's something that hasn't gotten uh, enough press is that he obviously isn't right because of that injury, but has been coming around as of the last few games. Hopefully this weekend off has, uh, having last weekend off, has, has helped in the recovery process. Matt Milano not being in there, that hurts. He's so fast and instinctual. But gap integrity, it's it's been an issue. Uh, the linemen are getting moved out. And I like what the Cardinals did last week against the Bills. It obviously made Josh Allen very uncomfortable. And I feel like you should be able to do that against a rookie quarterback too, assuming now when there's those major blitzes like the Cardinals were throwing, the way to beat them is over the top. Now, can Herbert connect on those passes? Well, if he does, it's going to be a tough game for the Bills, especially when you consider, we've talked about Keenan Allen, but the Chargers also have Mike Williams, a six foot four target uh, opposite of him on the outside. And man, he's, he's a tough guy. Is that who... The Bills are going to match Trey White up with. Are they going to keep Trey on one side of the field and use him against the smaller corners that the Bills have on the opposite side of the field? It's going to be interesting to see, but you're right. Stopping the run and confusing Justin Herbert, those are the keys. But I think we're going to see a barn burner here. I don't think we're going to see I don't think we're going to see a stellar performance from the Bills defense this week. <laughs> well, and, and and you mentioned Mike Williams. I mean, he is such a physical freak of nature out there. You said 6'4", he's 220. He would tower over Levi Wallace if he's matched up with him. He would tower over Dane Jackson. If Jackson steps up and gets a start at CB2, I don't even know uh, what uh, Jackson's status is for, um, for the game. He has not been ruled out, so I, I assume he's going to be out there. Uh, you know, playing most of the guys got healthy 
you know, during the bye week out there, but it's going to be a really interesting challenge to again, see what Buffalo does on the outside. Mike Williams having a great season out there as well for the Los Angeles chargers. Now, Jamie flipping the field a little bit one more time for our fans before we get to our preview. We talked about our, our score prediction. We talked about the bills and their run defense. I think by now it's pretty obvious that the bills running offense is taking a major step back from where they were last year. And a lot of that has to do with the inconsistencies along the offensive line. The news came out that Cody Ford is going to be out for the rest of the season. And that's a huge loss because it's another shift that the bills have to endure along the offensive line from all accounts. Mitch Morris is going to be starting at center. He's in the mix, whatever that means from McDermott. But I don't know what he, this is a topic that really bugged me all week, Jamie. And we talked about it before the Cardinals game as Morse was battling the concussion. What the hell is up with Mitch Morris and why he was on the field as an active member of the 53 and didn't see a single rep last week against the Cardinals. Why would McDermott do that? And what do you make of it? That's a strange situation. It's, it's really odd, right? You've got a guy that you're paying $11 million per year who actually, by all accounts, was having a decent year and he's not on the field. I think that he probably had a bad week of practice and they were seeing some lingering effects of the concussion, even though he passed protocol. So they didn't want to rush him back. They wanted him there in an emergency, but they didn't want to send live bullets at him. And when they say a coach's decision, as McDermott did, that usually means that there's multiple layers and they don't want to get into it. And they said that they were happy with the offensive line, that they were gelling before. That's BS. The offensive line has been terrible and they have not found success yet this season. So am I concerned about Mitch Morris? Yes. He's had five concussions at this point and every concussion is worse. It takes longer to recover from and it makes it more likely that you're going to get one in the future. So did they want to give him an extra couple of weeks? I think they did. However, this may also be a sign that they're not quite happy with his play, especially run blocking, which he's not great at. And they have already made the decision that they're letting him go in the offseason. If they were to do that, I believe the Bills would save about $5 million in cap space by getting rid of Mitch Morris after this year. And you're right, Jamie. Look, we don't, I've never had a concussion. I don't want to speak for you but I don't think you've had a concussion either. I have, actually. Have. Um, huh. Yeah, a car door closed on my head once. That that was rude of your parents to do that to you. <laughs> if, if I may tell you real quick, it was in the early 2000s, and I was getting into the backseat of a, um, a, a Pontiac, like a Pontiac Grand Am, which big cars, big doors. It was a two-door car, and the car was parked on a um, on a on an angle, on a slant, I should say, a hill. And the door just, as I was climbing in, the door just started closing itself and it hit me in the ear. And a couple days after that, I had like ringing in my teeth and I was a little bit slow. Um, I wasn't processing things. My balance was off. It was very strange. That's 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 a horrifying story. And it's a little insight into what, you know, players 
will deal with with these concussions. And you're right, they build upon themselves. The fourth one is worse than the third. The fifth is worse than the fourth. And five concussions is too much for a brain to sustain that type of repeated damage. And that's not even talking about the concussions that weren't diagnosed from the incidental, you know, helmet on helmet scraping that goes on in the trenches out there. I thought it was odd that Morris was a healthy scratch. I feel he's definitely, when healthy, uh, one of the best five linemen on this offensive line for the Bills. I hope uh, he's out there playing on on Sunday for the Bills. If not, Buffalo's going to have, I think, their sixth offensive line combination over the last 10 games. And that's why, if you wonder why the Bills' run game has struggled, look no further than the inconsistencies and the erratic play up front. And this is the despite the fact that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean crushed it with the signing of Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams has been a revelation for Buffalo. Deion Dawkins is having a phenomenal uh, season after he locked up his long-term contract. John Feliciano must come back to the Bills next year. I believe he's an unrestricted free agent. The Bills do want to bring him back at the end of this season. There is a lot of uncertainty on this line. And Jamie, let's take a moment to recognize the fact that the Bills offensive line against the Cardinals at lots of times in the game had both Brian Winters and Ike Bakker on the lineup and Bakker actually played pretty well. Yeah. Brian Winters has been an absolute disaster. However, according to pro football focus, he doesn't even have the lowest run blocking score on the bills offensive line. That distinction belongs to Cody Ford. Huh? So what is going on there? Does does Brian Winters come out of the game and John Feliciano takes his place and they keep Ike Butker in the game at left guard? I I don't know what we're going to see here, but the Bills haven't had their entire starting five or their intended starting five play together at all this year. And it's showing. Now, the pass blocking hasn't been awful, but when it comes to the running game, the running backs are not the issue. It is definitely the offensive line. The running backs are being hit in the backfield far too often. And, you know, they're pretty nimble. They get around those guys. But the Bills are definitely not pushing the defensive line backwards uh, on really most of the running plays. And that's what you need. You need your running back to be two, three yards downfield before initial contact is made, not two to three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And they're going to struggle until the offensive line, the center of the offensive line, not the center, but the middle of the offensive line improves. It's just they're going to have to put way too much of the responsibility to move the ball on the passing game. And it's not a formula for going deep into the playoffs. I hope they figured something out. Me too, Jamie. I hope it. I hope they did. I think the bye week was very helpful uh, for a lot of reasons for the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully they can figure out a way to get this thing going because you're right. Devin Singletary has turned so many four yard losses into a one yard gain where you think about how incredible it is to get met in the backfield because your offensive lineman got blown up and it has not been a pretty picture with the running game. The good news for the bills on Sunday is again, the chargers are going to be down several key players on defense, not having Melvin Ingram, not having Uchenu Wosu, who is another very solid rotational piece on that D line and having Casey Howard out of the game as well in the secondary. This is a big impact for the bills. 
the Bills can afford to double team Joey Bosa and neutralize him if they need to, knowing that Ingram and Wosu are not going to be playing on Sunday. That to me, Jamie, is huge. The fact that Bosa can do what he's going to do against a double team and you don't have to worry as much about the rest of the Chargers pass rush. It should be a good formula for success for the Bills. The last time, Jamie, we talked about Bills on a podcast, we were previewing the Cardinals game and that debacle happens at the last play, the Hail Mary and the Cardinals get the victory. Buffalo has had almost two full weeks to sit, to reflect and to stew over the missed opportunity in the desert. When it comes to Sunday, they're getting a a good opportunity to get right against a Chargers team that is dangerous, but also shoots themselves in the foot repeatedly. How do you see the game playing out on Sunday? The Bills having two weeks to get ready for this game and playing in Buffalo gives them an advantage. Typically, West Coast teams coming east, they struggle with that. So I think that the Bills are going to win this in a high-scoring game. I think that you're going to see the Bills win 37-28. 37-28. I like that margin of victory out there. And from all accounts, Jamie, it should be a picture-perfect day at the stadium, although no fans, of course, will be allowed at Bills Stadium. But Jamie has the Bills getting a victory by nine points to go to eight and three on the year. I also like Buffalo to get the win. I think the points are going to be there. I think Buffalo's defense is going to give up points too, but I think they come up with one or two key stops along the way. I'm going to say Buffalo wins this one 39-31. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. Again, the poor scoreboard operator is going to be putting up points in bunches on Sunday, but I just I think the Bills have too many weapons. I think they can really match up well with the Chargers with their vulnerabilities in the secondary and along the offensive line. And hey, anything the Bills get from the ground game is gravy. They've had 44 rushing yards on 22 attempts their last two weeks. That's not going to get it done. But if you want reason for hope as to why the ground game is going to bounce back, look no further than last week when the Jets ran all over the Chargers with the ground game and the Jets do not have a good rushing attack at all. So we will see. But Jamie, thank you as always for for your insights and for bringing it. I'm glad we're both on the same page with how the game's going to play out on Sunday. My pleasure. I look forward to this every weekend, my brother. Well, get ready. We'll have some primetime Bills podcast to get you ready for with the Bills having four straight games on primetime, starting with a Monday night football clash with the depleted San Francisco 49ers on December 7th. Of course, get involved with our podcast on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. We welcome your feedback on any topic we covered here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 